0: Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire.
1: Welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge, 402-342-1290 or 1-800-577-1290. That is the number if you would like to uh, talk with us at any time. We're talking about some of the political uh, implications coming here in the first 100 days of of the Trump administration. Got a a very active Congress. A lot of the heavy hitters were up on the Hill this week. Man, I'm just so used to Congress not doing anything. I'm kind of uh, wondering. I I don't know what to do with myself. Uh,
0: Yeah, I know. I'm just shocked. And I'm also surprised at their schedule. Five-day work weeks instead Mm -hmm. of three. So So. maybe they
1: uh, think that they... Uh, we'll get some things done. You'll get my predictions on what I think is going to happen with all of this uh, at the end of the show, and I'm usually right. So uh, you can check out healthreformexplained.com for some of the other predictions that that we've we've done. Uh, breaking news this week: uh, North Carolina giving official notice that they will expand Medicaid. Uh, something something that uh, came across the wires, and uh, we've got a new legislature. Uh, coming into place here in our in our neck of the woods. Wonder if that issue will, will come up. We were talking about that a little bit last night.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would expect that uh we we'll see an attempt uh at expand the Medicaid expansion again here in Nebraska. Um but it will be definitely interesting Given given the fact that <clears throat> the uh legislature uh, committees are very different now. And if, especially if you look at the health and human services committee and the new membership, I think it takes on a extremely conservative bend now. And the fact that Merv Reepy is now the chairman of HHS committee. Uh, Merv is a Senator based out of uh, North central Omaha. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to be a CEO at uh, Bergen Mercy, and so uh, I think you'll see something try to come, but I don't know that it will even get out of committee this year.
1: Wow, that could be really big. Yeah, you can think about that. It doesn't even go to the floor. No, I
0: and I think a lot of it is if you look at the ban- the makeup of the committees this year. I mean, the fact that you've got you know really the only true liberal on the. Nebraska in in the HHS committee of Sarah Howard, and so when you look at that committee from a makeup, I don't know that you're going to get something even out of committee now. So, hmm.
1: well, that'll be interesting. <coughs> keep your see. eyes awake. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know that's an issue that's important for a lot of a uh, lot of folks. So, wanted to give you the latest uh, on that. Let's take a look at some of the numbers. On uh, health healthcare.gov, uh, seems like they're performing a lot better this year than they were the past couple of years. Isn't that right? Yes.
0: Um, so uh, as of December 31st, 2016, they had uh, 2017 exchange plan selection information for 8.8 million people. Um, about 2.2 of mil- 2 million of the plan selectors were new to healthcare.gov this year. Uh, others had health care coverage from the exchange uh, website in 2016 and are sticking with those issuers this year. So uh, we saw a 25% spike in insurance coverage this year through healthcare.gov. All
1: right, how do we do here in our state?
0: So in Nebraska... You know, we're we're relatively, you know, what one maybe two percent of that. We had about eighty five thousand. That's one percent on average. Um, So one percent, eighty five thousand, two sixty two signed up for coverage through healthcare.gov. And uh, one thing I did find interesting in the report, it said that. uh, uh, total plan selections as of December 31st, which included auto-re-enrollment, en- auto and meaning you did not have to go online and it just auto-enrolled for you, consisted of about 2.2 million customers and 6.6 million returning uh, consumers. Among the returning consumers, two-thirds or 4.4 million actively selected a plan, meaning they did not go through auto-enrollment. And uh, so you had... 4.4 million people actively looking for something new, so over 50%. You had 25% new customers, and you had 25% who said, I'm satisfied, I'll just re-enroll. Now, make one caveat about this. These snapshots do not include plan selections from the 12 state-based markets. Uh, that use their own enrollment platforms. So states like Maryland or California are not in those numbers mm. because they use their own uh, platform because they're a state-based exchange.
1: Sure. And, again, that was a, another one of the problems with the rollouts was these states were supposed to set up this exchange that nobody even knew how to do. Right. because so then they just said, fine, federal government, you figure it out. Well,
0: because remember in Nebraska, for example, Governor Heineman said, well, this is going to be way too expensive for us to roll out because they were talking about $200 million to roll it out where it was going to be, you know, lumped in with all the rest of the states, so 38 states in this case. And so it should be, you know, much less. But in reality, when you look at the healthcare.gov rollout, let's remember the first week (laughs) of healthcare.gov. This show had more callers that week than people, sign people up. signing up. We had, I believe, nine callers that, sh- that week, and I think only eight people were able to sign up successfully on healthcare.gov. Mm-hmm. So where has it been? Where ha- is it at now? Oh, it's much better on the website because they were able to do a whole lot of different things you know, with scalability and actually use of technology companies rather than m- allowing the government to grow something in-house. Right. And we'll talk more about, you know, different types of technology, things that we're seeing in, 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 you know, either the next segment or the final segment. Yep, yep. So
1: so is there any improvements that you could see that you think that they could make or is it just kind of, I mean, is it kind of running like it's going to be, like if they say they keep the law as is, like this is about, about how it's going to be?
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know how much more, you know, from an efficiency perspective they can make on the site. Um, a lot of the things that we've talked about, you know, scalability, efficiency, uh, you know, security especially, because remember the problems with security uh, in the first version, you know, healthcare.gov 1.0, you know, there were security experts saying that there were lots of security flaws with the problem and that someone could just, you know, basically go into the source code of 1.0 and make changes and it would affect the site in general. And, you know, we've talked to Zeke manual, we've talked with, uh, you know, the CMS administrators for, uh, IT on those things. And they, they did admit there were security flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, when you outsource to, Companies who actually know how to do things like this, uh, things it, it definitely has gotten better. Does that mean that you know the total cost has been spent properly? No, I would say not. I would say the fact that we've spent over, I think the last number I heard, I think was three billion dollars on the website. That is definitely not an effective use of taxpayer dollars. And would make me very angry in how we've just thrown money away at this whole thing. I mean, it just goes in line with everything that we've talked about with the federal government and the way they just throw money at things and are willing to spend, you know, $5,000 on a toilet, $5,000 on a, a nut, and, you know, $5 billion on a website. Really? Yeah. I think Donald Trump even said, well, they spent so much money on this website, pfft, I could get somebody to make it for, you know, what, $10,000? Yeah. I mean, Stanford, there were a couple, remember the two Stanford students who basically did this? It. Yeah. Who basically built their own site mm-hmm. for next to nothing?
1: That did the same thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's government.
1: Oh, there's just so much back end that all these different agencies have to talk to each other because mm-hmm. they're verifying income, um, citizenship status, uh, all kinds of things. Whether or not you got, I mean, this reporting thing for employers, which, by the way, is now now is the time to be on top of that for 2015. If you haven't done it, uh, give me a call, 402-884-9020. Or in particular for 2016, which the deadlines are n- are now coming, and the IRS has just started to send out letters. Actually, in December, uh, we've seen several of them. For these smaller ones that have to report and they submit via paper, uh, the IRS is making them send it back if uh, the form, one of their forms, is printed in uh, portrait instead of landscape. <sighs> there, and uh, if uh, if certain little things don't work, they make are making people resubmit <laughs> uh, after completely fixing them. So. This is what, is what is coming, and uh, I just don't know how you undo a lot of this stuff. I just don't know. Well, and here's,
0: here's an interesting number. I just saw this. The number of new plan selectors, so new plan selectors being insurance companies that are on the exchange it fell by 11%. That's a startling number because that's limit of choice.
1: The numbers of plans? number
0: of plans fell by 11%. Yeah.
1: And some places have, like, one choice. Yeah. Maybe zero. Yep. So I think that's the biggest disappointment from all of this is cr- the government was supposed to create a marketplace for people to buy insurance. That's why it's called the marketplace. And the marketplace that the government created is not functioning like a good marketplace should. Right. There's no choice. No,
0: and, you know just look at the states that are number 1 and number 2 in the number of healthcare.gov users, Florida and Texas. You know, 2 million people in Florida and just over a million in Texas. You know, they only have, I think, you know, on in some areas one or two choices. That's not cho- that's not real choice. That's choice driven to you by government.
1: Would be nice if they had 10 choices. Yeah. One super cheap, one... Well, remote. yeah,
0: because then you're going to have competition, people competing for a customer.
1: Yeah. Because a lot of people do make these decisions on choice. I don't know if that's a good idea, or not on choice, but on cost. Right. They make it on cost, and they give up choice of networks, for example, because they want a, a lower premium.
0: Right. They give up choice on networks. They give up choice on uh, even services. What services are covered under what plan? So that's not real that's 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 not real choice in my in the way I view
1: limited choice. So Right. Anyways, we're going to take a timeout here uh, on the show 402-342-1290 if you like to get into the get into the dialogue with us here. And uh, when we come back, we're going to take a little bit further look at some of these data breaches that are going on. Something really uh, really important to pay attention to. So We'll be right back.
0: And I am sorry that they uh, you know, are finding themselves in this situation based on assurances they got from me. We've got to work hard to make sure that uh, they know uh, we hear them and that we're going to do everything we can uh, to deal with folks who find themselves uh, in a tough position as a consequence.